Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. I'm on the West Bank of New Orleans, and I'm standing outside two structures or two buildings. Those are very technical terms. I'm just going to call them bunkers. And these bunkers are going to be able to house people to broadcast for up to 60 days in a radio broadcast form in a natural disaster or worst-case scenario. And WWL Radio partnered with FEMA to make this happen. And because this is dedicated and designed to broadcast emergency messages and programming during a natural disaster for the worst case scenario, it got me thinking about what that doomsday scenario looks like for us here in southeast Louisiana. I'm Colin Arnold. I'm the director of the Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness for the city of New Orleans. So, Colin, obviously we're standing outside of this bunker that's supposed to be able to broadcast during a doomsday scenario. I'm curious, what does a doomsday scenario look like for you in Orleans Parish? What keeps you up at night in terms of the worst-case scenarios? You know, a lot of our planning is, and you heard it here in the presentation, is all-hazards planning. You know, we we plan year-round for hurricanes because that is our greatest threat, you know, and, and particu- in particular the flooding uh, that can happen with those hurricanes is our biggest threat in this city. But we can adapt what we learn from preparing for those disasters to other types of disasters that may befall us. And, and here in New Orleans, I think what concerns me the most, uh, other than tropical activity during the time of year that, that it's active, is uh, you know hazardous materials. We've got a lot of, uh, of different types of hazardous material that moves through our area, whether it be over river or by rail. Petrochemicals. Uh, petrochemicals, what's made here, what's stored here. Uh, and, and the inadvertent release of that or the accidental release of that is something that could have an effect on our area and something that would bring this, this facility to bear. And then third on that list would be, you know, we are an international destination city. Um, we, we do have a lot of uh, notoriety within the tourism community around the, around the globe. And so civil disorder and terrorism, you know, is obviously something that we have to keep in our minds. And so, you know, depending on the size of something that could happen that somebody could want to, to do to the city, you do have to have all hazards, resilient type facilities like this uh, because the, the biggest priority uh, that, that can save people's lives is communicating with them. And so this, this facility gives you, gives WWL and by extension all of the parish leadership that you see here, state leadership you see here today, gives us the ability to uh, communicate with the public. Can you describe how, I guess for me too, the incorrect assumption is 
for all the parishes around here, it would be a worst case scenario. It's always tropical, but that's not the case. You have to prepare differently because especially in New Orleans, the dynamics of the city and the parish are very unique because of that tourism angle, because of a higher density of population as well and some of the materials working there. Tell me about how you can and why you should prepare differently, and it can't be just a one-size-fits-all well, in terms of emergency that's response. That's a great point. You see here, we do have you know high-dense population. We have uh, a number of events that are unrestricted, meaning you can you know any of these festivals or any types of large gatherings jazz we have, fest, jazz fest, Mardi Gras, French Quarter fest, you can get into relatively easily. So you know obviously that kind of uh, we have to take that into account for our planning in New Orleans. But if I come to you know Pla Jefferson Parish, Plaquemines Parish, St. Bernard Parish, you've got a lot of industry there. New Orleans doesn't have as much of the petrochemical industry. We have a lot of it moving through the parish, but these other parishes that surround us have different concerns. They may not be as much into the terrorism end of it, but what they are concerned about is that hazardous materials type uh, release or uh, incident. And so, you know, everyone has to tailor their threats and their risks a little bit differently in this area. Joe Valiente, the Director of Emergency Management for Jefferson Parish. I'm asking some of the emergency managers in the various parishes what a doomsday scenario looks like, what a major disaster looks like that we'd have to engage that emergency bunker and broadcast. For you in Jefferson Parish, what does that look like? What's the worst case scenario? So I, I, I think for me, since I was with the New Orleans Police Department during Katrina, I think uh, a major levee breach along the river would be devastating for Jefferson Parish uh, on either on either bank and so that would force us to go into a search and rescue mode and those you know as we all know from Katrina those take time takes a tremendous amount of uh, manpower resources uh, planning goes into that and so uh, we're what 17 years past Katrina and I'm afraid that we've lost some of that muscle memory in terms of what we did then. Uh, we still have quite a few of us that are still here, but um, it would be devastating. The first thing that we would have to do is that find the appropriate areas that we could uh, establish our, uh, set up our resources, and then grid out the entire parish and then start rescuing people one boat at a time, literally. And the lessons learned from Katrina was that it's the most vulnerable part of the population that don't have the means to evacuate, don't have transportation, in all likelihood didn't store up enough food for two or three days. You're talking about people who are lower income, maybe elderly? Absolutely, special needs. Uh, they just don't have the resources. And so uh, that's a huge concern for us. You're a massive, massive parish because of the different regions that you have in, in lower and then uh, lower Jefferson Parish, but that obviously varies differently from what you're seeing in Metairie in, in the West Bank here. Correct, correct. So Jefferson Parish is not a very wide parish geographically, but it's long. It's over, it's, it's almost 100 miles long. And so, and we have so many different specific groups. We have the Grand Isle group, which has to be handled a certain way. We have the Lafitte, Barataria, Crown Point areas that again, that are just outside the levee protection system, but still have to be handled a little bit different than Grand Isle. And then we have the areas inside the levee protection system, but within that protection system, we really have two different dynamic groups on the West Bank and the East Bank. You know, the East Bank being the most secure because they're farthest away from the marshes and, and, and from the waters that are going to be part of the storm surge. John Ram, Jr. I'm the Director of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness with St. Bernard Parish. 
So Katrina was very bad. Now, since then, they built that hurricane and storm damage risk reduction system. You know, it rings St. Bernard, it rings all of Orleans, parts of Jefferson. Uh, it will stop the water from coming in. So far, it's worked. We haven't had a real big test, I don't think. If we do have something of a category four or five, depending upon the direction and the water pushing in, it could be over top. But that's, as you say, that's a doomsday event. That's something we've never seen before. You've had the unfortunate experience in, in St. Bernard Parish to kind of experience multiple natural disasters. Mm -hmm. You've had the tornado in yes. Araby recently. Yes. You had Katrina. Mm -hmm. uh, as the emergency manager for the parish, how do you rank those risks? I mean, is is water worse than wind? I mean, how do you even approach that? I mean, what, in your mind, how would you rank those that you'd want to avoid as an emergency manager? Right. No. We always run under the premise that we evacuate or run from the water and hide from the wind. We tell people, you know, if you're in a mobile home or in a travel trailer, get to a shelter somewhere that's sturdy. Uh, we don't have any shelters as a last resort in the parish because if we do flood, then we've got more people to evacuate out of a shelter than if they were to leave. So our worst thing is the flooding because once it gets us out of the levee system, we have to either break the levees or pump it out. Like for Katrina, the city sat in water for a while. St. Bernard sat in water for several weeks because we have levees that ring us in addition to uh, the levees that ring everybody else. So we have to cut those levees or pump over. That takes a while. In Lower St. Bernard, we have some communities outside that big levee system that they flood with a high east wind that, that blows, uh, you know, continually. So for us, I would say we'd be sitting in water like we were for Katrina would be another doomsday event for us. That keeps you up at night. Yes, it does. Well, what keeps me up more than that is giving people the information they need to make a decision and them not acting. We can only do so much like the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make them drink. People call us and say, what should I do? You do what, you know, what's best for you and your family. I'll give you information. I can tell you how much water we're gonna have, how bad the wind's gonna be. If you wanna stay here in St. Bernard with no electricity for three weeks in the middle of August, that's entirely up to you. My name is Antoine Johnson. I'm the director of FEMA's Integrated Public Alert and Warning System Program. Tell me what lessons are learned um, that you've kind of seen and what lessons has the federal government learned in seeing that when electricity goes down, especially for us in Southeast Louisiana, how that impacts our ability to get information and how does this kind of figure into your ability to respond? Right, so one of the things that we've done here at WWL as well as at 77, 76 other facilities across the country is we built in an, a, 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 an inordinate amount of redundancy in these facilities to ensure that they remain on air when needed. Uh, one of the worst things that can happen is for people not to receive information from uh, officials who are in a position of authority that the community is familiar with uh, in terms of responding to their needs. And oftentimes when you don't provide good authoritative information, people will make it up, right? So misinformation a lot of, in a lot of cases will lead to panic. Uh, a misunderstanding of what's taking place, what's the government's role, are they going to be here to take care of us, are we going to receive services and things like that, uh, where do I get my medicine, which stores are open to, you know, where I can get food or big box stores where I can make repairs. So those things are absolutely critical and what this allows us to do is to keep these services online so that that type of information can be put out to help ease some of the concern and the fear that may arise when you have uh, a catastrophic catastrophic event take place. In a day and age where you have live streaming and you have all these capabilities for people to get information whenever they want it, basically wherever they want it, that's under normal circumstances where we have power, we have internet. Can you kind of contextualize it why we're going to a very basic 
means of communication through radio as the investment for emergency communication. Explain that to people. Right. So, you know, the, the bottom line is, you know, a lot of folks are, you know, streaming uh, services. They're looking to the Internet to, to gather information and things like that. But under very, you know, severe uh, conditions, the Internet, wireless, wireless services and things like that are not necessarily available. In fact, in most cases, uh, when you have a hurricane or a tornado or some other catastrophic event, the first service to go down is your cellular services, right? So the Internet's not there. Uh, your cellular services are not there. If you're going to your mobile device looking for information, attempting to search Google, it's just not there. And power might not be and there. And power may not be there. And so after a period of time when your phone dies and, you know, the power grid is down or uh, service is not provided to your home, then you have no means of recharging uh, that device. But in the case of radio, it's a simple concept. You need someone to put information on the air. You have a transmitter and a tower that can communicate that information. And in most cases, all you need is a battery-operated radio or the radio in your car, uh, and you can receive that information. So it's a very simple concept in terms of leveraging this type of infrastructure to ensure that people are informed about what's taking place in their communities. They know what to do or are being instructed what to do. I mean, you take WWL doing Katrina and other hurricanes that have uh, hit the Gulf Coast, uh, radio has been on the, on the air, I mean continuously, before the event, during the event, and after. You know, informing people on what to do, where to go, you know, when people are, you know, emergency services are going to be responding to their areas and things like that. So a very simple concept. Uh, and with this facility, to be able to run this independently of commercial infrastructure for up to 60 days is phenomenal. So we can maintain you know, two operators or maybe more in this facility. They have food, water, a place to sleep. Uh, they have your, your normal uh, uh, services, you know, if you need to relieve yourself. Uh, and then you have an, an, an amount of fuel that is that can run the site for, you know, 60 days or maybe a little bit more. Um, but if we, have to, if we have to sustain an operation like this for more than 60 days... Uh, we're in trouble. We're, we're in a we're in a bad state. Uh, if this nation can't respond from something in less than 60 days, we are really doing bad. What's become very apparent to me in talking to these emergency managers is that some of their biggest fears, and perhaps their biggest fear, involves water and people being trapped in it. So the next time we have a major disaster coming our way with the potential for flooding, just get out. On the West Bank, I'm Tan Trung for WWL Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 